There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's in The Tonight Show. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. President Biden gets the Cade Mila Falcha treatment as he spends his first full day on his visit to Ireland. The fact is, I've often said the Irish are the only people in the world, in my view, who actually are nostalgic about the future. Think about it. And I'm here at Dublin Castle where we'll be reflecting on the visit so far and looking ahead to the coming days. And I'll be discussing the big issues around the trip and what it means for this country to have an Irish-American president in the Oval Office. You can join our conversation online with your comments and your questions on the hashtag TonightVMTV. Joe Biden has never hidden his Irishness and today he had a chance to have that on full show as he began his visit to the island of Ireland. It began north of the border with a speech at the University of Ulster in Belfast. This speech was all about the politics with the president urging all parties to get back to Stormont and get to work. In 25 years since the Good Friday Agreement, Northern Ireland's gross domestic product has literally doubled, doubled. I predict to you, if things continue to move in the right direction, it'll more than triple. There are scores of major American corporations wanting to come here, wanting to invest. Well, then it was on to Dublin. President Biden touched down in a wet and windy Dublin airport where he was greeted by the Taoiseach and other dignitaries. Then it was back up to Louth, President Biden heading to Carlingford, where his ancestors left in the 1800s. He had been due to fly by helicopter from Dublin to Louth, but plans were changed to a motorcade due to the weather conditions. He toured Carlingford Castle while he was there. Then it was across the Cooley Mountains to Dundalk, where President Biden met local people on Clambrazel Street. Thousands of people lined the route, many in raincoats and ponchos because of that weather. He also visited a cafe where he met with staff. Well, the president, a teetotaler, then headed to the pub. He spoke at the Windsor Bar in the town where he said the trip to Louth felt like coming home. The fact is, I've often said the Irish are the only people in the world, in my view, who actually are nostalgic about the future. Think about it. We're nostalgic about the future. I think we all are, no matter where we live, if we have Irish blood in us. And it's because more than anything, more than anything in my experience, Hope is what uh, beats in the heart of all people, particularly in the heart of the Irish. Hope. Every action is about hope. We can make things better. And hope that built both our nations. Let's go live now to Kira Doherty, who is in Dublin Castle, where the world's media are gathering to cover this trip. Kira. 
Yes, thanks, Claire. I'm here in Dublin at Castle. It's dry, finally, a little bit breezy, but a much better night than it has been day for Joe Biden, on the weather front, uh, at least. I am delighted to be joined by Kevin Doyle, Group Head of News at the Irish Independent, to talk about Joe Biden's visit so far. I think it really is a visit of two halves, isn't it? There's the political and then there's the personal. So the political was the visit to Northern Ireland today, the short meeting with the five leaders, and then that very important keynote speech at the University of Ulster. Given some of the criticism that Joe Biden has faced, particularly from the DUP, did he get the tone of that speech right? I think he did. He certainly has taken the hard part of this visit first. So he's getting the difficult work out of the way, the one where I suppose he can be criticised so that he can enjoy the rest of his visit. So you're right, it's definitely uh, two halves and we see tonight that he has started to enjoy himself. This morning he looked quite serious. Um, the speech, I think, did hit the right note because I suppose he's famous for his gaffes. He didn't make any gaffes in it. The DUP couldn't criticise anything in that speech. And there so, was no judgment, I think, for the situation in Northern Ireland at the moment. There was no re-lecturing in it. No, he picked his words very carefully, even to baldly state, I'm not here to tell you how to fix this, but I just really hope that you do. So it was quite a positive message. It was a hopeful message. Um, I'm not sure whether it will actually make any real political impact in terms of what is happening up in the north, there's local elections. I don't see the DUP moving any ground before they take place in May. So while I suppose for Joe Biden, it was a little bit like getting in and out of Northern Ireland without making anything worse. So I don't think anybody thought that there would be a breakthrough at all or that the institutions in the north would you know, stand up tomorrow. But do you think it can work as a catalyst at all, given the fact that the card Joe Biden played, the leverage he played was there is unrealised economic opportunity in Northern Ireland. We're standing here in America with money, ready to invest, but we need political stability. Yeah, and Joe Kennedy, the new economic envoy, on his shoulder for that. And that's it. He came with a carrot and no stick, really. That idea that there are companies in America that Joe Biden will encourage to invest and his administration will encourage to invest and spend money in Northern Ireland if they can get the institutions up and running. So really his message was political instability helps nobody. It's not going to give you the benefits that could be got from this piece. And so it was much much of a forward-looking and future-looking uh, speech, I suppose, that perhaps when the debate around Brexit dies down a little bit more, maybe people will then start to think about the, the real economic prospects. No time limit on that potential investment either, was there? No, absolutely not. Now, there's a time limit on a president's uh, term in office, of course, um, and Joe Kennedy, I suppose, is there at Biden's behest. So, you know, there's an election coming up in America. The script moves on in America. So while there's no time limit, I, I don't think the DUP should necessarily be hanging around thinking that it'll be there forever either. OK, he did also meet the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. Um, Rishi Sunak promised this bilateral meeting but it didn't look like that at all. It was actually quite an awkward cup of coffee between these two powerful world leaders. What was your assessment of that? It looked kind of sad, didn't it, if we're honest? It had that kind of meeting someone in a hotel lobby for a quick cup of coffee because you're in a hurry to your next engagement. Um, there's been a lot of coverage of that in the British press and a lot of people interpreting that as a snub almost to Rishi Sunak. But I think 
ultimately, Rishi Sunak didn't deliver devolved government in Northern Ireland, which is what Joe Biden wanted. He wanted the full package going to the North, I think. He wanted the Assembly. He wanted to go to Stormont. He didn't get that. And as a result, perhaps Rishi Sunak didn't get the photo shoot that he might have liked from it. Overall, Kevin, given the fact that Joe Biden was coming here to mark 25 years of the Good Friday Agreement, did we get the sense of occasion, perhaps, that was promised from his visit? I think not. Maybe we've been talking about the Good Friday Agreement for the last fortnight, really, in, in terms of the anniversary. It was such a whistle-stop tour in Northern Ireland. I think it was more of an excuse for Joe Biden to come here, if I'm brutally honest. And really what he's here for is what has gone on in County Loud tonight, uh, what we'll see in Dublin tomorrow and out west later in the week. I think that's really what he's here for. The Good Friday Agreement was probably just a hook. Okay, and that's the personal side of things. And I do think you can really contrast, can't you, the meeting with Rishi Sunak in comparison to the meeting with Leo Varadkar at Dublin Airport when Air Force One touched down today. The sort of the warmth and the ease um, between his party, his wider party, and the Irish representatives. And then the meeting with the Tanishtra, with Michael Martin, where there was a real sense of bonhomie of the two men sharing, you know, an American cap and having a good time together. There was, there was a real difference. Yeah, and look, he's met both of them before. They have history. They have, they have previous meetings to have banter over, if you like. Um, but particularly those images with Michal Martin tonight in Carlingford, almost fist-pumping and, and giving Michal Martin a presidential baseball cap to, to wear in the, the wind and the rain that was up there. It was all very palsy. Then they head off to the pub together. It was a very different vibe from what you saw with Rishi Sunak. Not a lot of politics been done, but I think both men were absolutely fine with that. But a lot of... I suppose reinforcing the message from Joe Biden that he cares about Ireland, that he is Irish. And his, his sense of Irishness is profound and I do think it's very genuine. And we're cynic a lot, but I didn't get a huge sense of paddywhackery about this, did you? It's much easier to be cynical than enthusiastic. Um, I got a big sense of paddywhackery, but I think that mostly... But you're buying it. We're buy oh yeah, most people I think were buying into it. And I think as he heads west, they'll buy into it even more. There's no doubt that the future of Irish American presidents, there mightn't be this endless flow of them um, as, we, as we go forward. The dynamics or the demographics in America is moving. So this might be the last big blast of an Irish American president who really genuinely wants to be here and isn't just here to try and gather a few votes. All right, we will leave it there, Kevin Doyle. Uh, thanks so much as always. We will be back here tomorrow night at Dublin Castle because he is a very busy packed schedule in Dublin tomorrow. But for now, it's back to you in studio, Claire. Here, thank you for that. Well, let's bring in my panel now, Minister of State Patrick O'Donovan, uh, Sarah Carey, broadcaster and columnist at uh, independent.ie. We have Kieran Allen, Secretary of People Before Profit, and Gina London, former CNN White House correspondent and Sunday Independent columnist. You're all very welcome along uh, to this panel tonight. Um, I want to come to you first, Minister, um, on this visit, which is an official visit rather than a state visit. Um, in terms of its importance, how highly do you really rank it? Uh, very high, um, to be quite honest about it. Look at the size of this country, its population, its location as a peripheral place in Europe. Um, and I'm sure there are countries bigger uh, than us, far bigger than us, that would give their right arm uh, to have the President of the United States uh, spend as much time here as, as he's doing now, but also having done so previously. And, you know, I, I don't think that this is a a paddywhackery type uh, attempt at all. This to me what is, is it? it's a very genuine attempt, first of all, by somebody who has a deep interest in the Good Friday Agreement 
uh, to give impetus around making sure that that continues. Well, that's interesting because he didn't spend so long up in Belfast. Yeah, but I mean, the island of Ireland is what the Good Friday Agreement is about uh, and the relationship between the two islands. So he will have met both heads of government uh, and then been on both sides of the island within a short period of time. But more than that, uh, and for people in Ireland who have connections to the United States of America as well and who have direct family connections, and there's people all over the country that have aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters living in America, this is really important. Uh, and we were just discussing it before the show. In terms of, you know, the mm. St. Patrick's Day visits, when ministers get the privilege to go to the United States, in North America in particular, uh, in the run-up to St. Patrick's Day, the impact that this co small country has in such a massive uh, continental United okay. States is All enormous. Right. Okay, uh, so, so I don't think you can understate the scale of it. Okay, so given the four days here um, where he is... He is, he is a, he's a very busy itinerary now, it must be said. Uh, Karen Allen, as he travels to a couple of ancestral homes, uh, you're protesting this visit. People for profit are protesting this visit. Is it a particular protest against Joe Biden, or would any visit by a US president elicit this response? Well, I think if the issue was simply somebody, elderly gentleman, coming to visit his great great grandparents' home, who would object? But of course, he is the president of America, and this is a political visit as well as a personal visit. And as the president of America, he is engaged in the most outrageous double standards. He condemns Putin's invasion of Iraq, uh, sorry, of Ukraine, which I do completely. But he himself was for the invasion of Iraq. And if you compare Ukraine today, the private army, for example, the Wagner army, you had the Blackwater uh, uh, private army of the Americans. If you look at the destruction of towns like uh, uh, Bakhmud, you have the destruction of towns like um, Fallujah. If you look at the fact that 100,000 troops were poured into Ukraine, more than 100,000 American troops were poured into uh, Iraq. And this continues, and it continues today where Biden is sending $3 billion each year to Israel, which is involved in an apartheid, in my view, against uh, Palestinians, and mm -hmm. has, has actually been involved in the killing of 90 Palestinians uh, to date. He's also, despite his election pledges, sending one billion to Saudi okay. Arabia. So when I hear on the national media he's the leader of free world, the free world, I ask, what is he doing supporting Saudi Arabia, which is imprisoning women for driving cars in the past, uh, which has been the most appalling uh, treatment of LGBT people. Would you so say, I, I don't buy it. Would you say, you know, don't come at all? You know, we're, we're opposed to your visit on, for so many reasons that you have mentioned and that he simply uh, shouldn't be invited and he shouldn't be here at all. If he wants to make a personal visit to his ancestral homes, who's making an objection to that? But the issue is it's political. What we're, getting, he, okay. what we're getting at the moment is propaganda from the mainstream media that he is, quote, the leader of the free All world. Right. Well, we are I haven't this heard this stuff since Kieran, the Cold War. Kieran, we are having the discussion here tonight. Yeah. You are on the programme um, tonight to yeah, talk well, about this. Just so... before I, I left RT, he was described as the leader of the free world. That is propaganda. He's <laughs> not the leader of the free world. The free world, according to his view, includes Saudi Arabia, Israel, and a host of dictators in the past who were members of NATO, Portugal, Greece, Turkey. So I don't see that he's the free of the free world. Sorry, I don't. OK, Sarah, do you want to come in on that? Yeah, so I think the first thing we should say is Joe Biden is a man of remarkable resilience, and the most significant thing he has done in his presidency is beat Trump. And he may well be relied on to beat Trumpism 
that even if Trump doesn't get the nomination for the uh, Republican candidacy next time, will it be somebody like Ron DeSantis? So, you know, he can be attacked for being old Joe and sleepy Joe, but he did what no one else could do and what maybe nobody else can do. So I actually share, you know, Kieran's reservations. I was never in favour of the Iraq invasion. With regard to Ukraine, unfortunately, and despite all my pacifist instincts, there can be no equivocation when it comes to Ukraine. Putin is crossing people's borders and he was let take Crimea. Everybody stood back and let him have it. That simply emboldened okay. him to take Ukraine. And if we let him stop there, he will come for oh. the Baltic states but just, next. Just, um, you know, on this visit. Yeah. And we are given this uh, platform and mm -hmm. we have had this opportunity. And not mm -hmm. only was the Taoiseach um, mm -hmm. over in Washington, we now have Joe Biden over here. And within those conversations that we're having, is there room because we're in the room, to have frank conversations, to have conversations that are maybe uncomfortable or maybe critical. What we outwardly see is an awful lot of fist pumping, as was mentioned there, and back slapping uh, and revelry. Is there room and do those conversations happen, Patrick? Yeah, well, I, I take you back to Enda Kenny at the time he met uh, President Trump uh, and he reminded him that St. Patrick wasn't just a patron saint of Ireland, he was also the patron saint of migrants. So Taoiseach do deliver messages when they need to be delivered as well in terms of us being a very small country. We use our position, for instance, in the United, States, United Nations mm. Security Council very effectively. So, I mean, are we, are, we, are we sort of saying that in the context of, say, no, but, you know, our neutrality and where, where we may well, stand? Or are we, is our foreign policy well, essentially uh, dictated by no, the US? Well, our, our foreign policy, I, I think that Tanisha's decision to have a discussion around our foreign policy is quite opportune because, you know, Irish deployment, for instance, and future UN-mandated missions being di dictated okay. by Beijing or Moscow is not right. something I would actually adhere to. OK. Um, but is there scope here, for example, and maybe I'll ask Kieran this. Um, so tomorrow um, we'll have Joe Biden meeting with Michael D. Higgins. Now, he is strongly anti-war, you would agree. Oh, yes, yeah, do, do you reckon that he'll, he will potentially have a few words uh, well, to say to Joe Biden at all? I hope he does. And I hope he points out the fact that uh, Biden is using double standards, that he's... Why is he backing Saudi Arabia? Okay. Why does he give one so billion So maybe this is an opportunity that happens... At, at, but can I just at, finish the point? Such I mean, Saudi Arabia at the moment, the biggest war okay. in the moment in the world is in Yemen. Mm. Uh, 25,000 people have died because of Saudi of bombings. Why is Joe Biden uh, sending weaponry to Saudi Arabia if he's so concerned about freedom and against invasions? Gina, um, is there a sense when Joe Biden is, you know, taking these tours in, visiting an his ancestral home in Louth and in Mayo as well, that I said it's all pleasantries, it's crowds gathering, um, everyone's there for a cheer and a handshake, um, but that, you know, that there is, there is a place for maybe some critical thought and some conversation around um, such tours such as this? Because to all intents and purposes, it certainly looks like Joe Biden's on the election trail when he's on the streets of Louth. There are layers to what's being said here, and there are legitimate observations on a long career of a politician, of decisions that have been made. And there are times, I think, of course, when someone needs to be called accountable to justify these things and the pragmatism of that and the global geopolitical stage on which those things are made. However, those conversations, as right or wrong as they may be, depending on one's point of view, have a time and a place. And if you are the president of Ireland welcoming another president of the United States, whatever country, in a photo op kind of moment, let's be honest, mm. that is not the time to start taking the... Whether or not you, you, you'd like that to happen, there's the, the practicality of it. And 
sorry, this is not the time for the head of state of Ireland, the Taoiseach, or anyone on the Oireachtas to stand up and and do. This is not the time. And you're not going to be effective, frankly, if you were to raise it in this situation, because you will probably do more damage to that relationship than if you were to find a different way to get at it. Mm. With Look, Antony Blinken's on here too. If there are other, on this trip too, the, the Secretary of State, if there are other ways to have conversations, maybe with his staff, there are lots of other people in this entourage than firing then, political sabbles at President Biden to Joe. when he's walking hey, down his am, ancestral home. I am reminded of Jim Kemmy when Bill Clinton was in Ireland back in the 90s and he was greeting him in Limerick. And I think Jim Kemmy must have been mayor and was able to officially welcome him. And he raised from this stage the issue of Cuba in a very nice, polite but, you know, firm and integral way. And Clinton was sitting in the background and was giving a nod. So I wouldn't necessarily agree that it can never be said, but it's like everything else. It's tone. It's how it's done. Well, it's tone and yeah. it's timing. And it is, I guess, t- to the point, though, it is interesting to, to what Kiran was saying, and, frankly, Republicans back in the United States are saying this, too. Mm-hmm. By design, this particular four-day extended visit by the President of the United States does not have press conferences. It has prepared remarks and it has walkabouts. It is a photo op. Yeah. It is a personality, it, personal experience. Yeah, so it's one giant um, four-day photo op, essentially. This is which is interesting to see how this President all plays Biden out. It's President Biden getting an opportunity in the smallest of windows available for him to come and fulfill okay. his dream of coming back right. to Ireland as the okay. President of the United let, States, because he won't be able to okay. do it once he declares his presidency, All right. which is um, expected we, in May. We want to hear um, from what Joe Biden, he was speaking in Dundalk uh, tonight um, with family gathered around him. Um, uh, and he did have words to say. One of his distant relatives, uh, Rob Carney, was in attendance and he made reference um, to Rob being on that Irish team that beat New Zealand in Chicago this is what he had to say about that particular win. See this tie I have with the shamrock on it? This was given to me by one of these guys right here. <laughs> was a hell of a rugby player. And they beat the hell of the black and tans. Oh, God. <laughs> but, but it was when you were at a, a soldier field, wasn't it? Chicago. Chicago. Did he know what he was doing there? Patrick, did, what, I mean, what did you think now when you saw I, that? I, I saw it live when I was in the car on the way up, and I think that uh, without knowing, uh, you know, and, and getting into the men's thought process, I think it was a Freudian slip. I actually don't think that he intended to say what he said. No. Um, but, you know, okay, I mean, a Freudian slip. So, I mean, like, was there something? I mean, well, look, well, I, just, I, I'm just thinking. I'm no. just thinking of this trip and and all. I suppose the the accusations that have been levelled about him about you know anti-British sentiment that his the White House has had to deny, and then he comes out and he speaks about the All Blacks and he refers to them as, as the Black and Tans. It, it is unfortunate, but these flubs do happen. Kieran was beginning his remarks. He accidentally said Iraq instead of Ukraine. Oh, you know, so we all we all do these things. Mm. The, the, problem, the problem for President Biden is that they're used against him as this evidence, you know, that he is too old to run again. So every slip is over-examined. Um, in relation to the British, I do think there is a point to be made there that, you know, I certainly think there was a deliberate snub that he isn't visiting mm-hmm. uh, the, the UK proper, um, you know, going to London on this trip. And I think that's very much a message to the British that, A, you know, you have left the economic block that we choose to invest in. And the big message 
message in this trip so far has been investment, investment, investment. And secondly, it's a punishment for the way that they tried to use Northern Ireland and the protocol. And it's saying to them, you cannot get away with this if you want your trade deal. Uh, Gina, in terms of how this will all play out for a US audience, firstly, uh, those comments that he made there where, you know, he said black and tans, then he went, oh. The average person in the United yeah. States has no idea what that. They think it's a drink that's a mix of, okay. of a light beer and a dark beer. All right, so it will have absolutely <laughs> no land in the States. And no, they no, and but, but that, but, sorry, go ahead, Claire. Yeah, but in general about this visit, yeah. you know, what, what do people think? Do they care at all that he's over there? I mean, is he in it for votes? And will he get the votes off it's, the back of not, a visit such not, as this? This is not about playing to the Irish, so-called Irish voter block in the United States, because frankly, there isn't one anymore. There is a disparate sort of... Irish sense of, of spirit, but not a defined voting voting block that he'd be playing to. But what he the best he can do is a little bit what Kevin Doyle said, is to not make big mistakes here. He is here because he personally mm. loves this country and genuinely wants to see his ancestral home and has been given a hook to come on the back of the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement and then has made his way down to do what he has always wanted to do. Back in the U.S., if he makes a bigger gaffe, which this is where we have to be watching him because the prepared remarks in the Oireachtas, the meeting with Michael D., the meeting with Leo Varadkar, those are going to have some prepared remarks. It's the walkabouts. It's the chat. Where he's being himself where is what you're saying. he might be a little or bit off script and go a little bit meandering more than right. is expected. And I think that's why his sister in particular and can't longtime campaign manager, Valerie, is right by his oh, side. Oh, that's why, she, that's why uh, Valerie's by his side and Hunter Biden as well, which is uh, notable as well that, that, I, that, I, that I he's there. I think that's very significant because I think, you know, as we look forward to him possibly announcing his candidacy or definitely announcing his candidacy, you know, the Republicans and the Conservatives are going to hit him with Hunter and bringing Hunter with them is saying, I've lost my wife, I've lost a daughter, he lost Bo, he is not going to abandon Hunter. And I think that's a very clear message. You can come and get him, but I will be sticking by him. Uh, Patrick, mm -hmm. um, on the cost to the taxpayer of this four day trip, major uh, policing and security right mm. across the country with it. Um, you are the minister who is with oversight for the OPW. Mm. So you're, the team, I presume, have been very yeah. busy um, with managing this trip. How much is it all costing? Well, we don't have a full cost in it yet, but I, I, I think at most... Ballpark. Mo well, we, we, that'll all be published in due course, but... But, uh, I mean, you, you must have an any estimate, European, though. Oh. Any European country of 5 million people will be given their right hand for what we're getting here. And I don't think you can put a monetary value on it, and I don't think you can put a cost in it. But in the, in the fullness of time, when all the government departments, whether it's foreign affairs, defence and justice, have compiled their figures, they, they'll the, the, be made available. There's one that you said, like, we'll be giving our right arm for... What is in it for us? Is it, look, is it, is look, it brand Ireland because, you know... The, we, look at the exposure it, that this country gets internationally. Will it, will it, does Finland get... It goes out on, does on Finland US get, news uh, networks? Is does, that what we want? Do Finland or Denmark get a guaranteed day every year with the President of the United States of America? Yeah, I'm referring, do they get to turn I'm the, referring to the this Chicago trip. River red? I am referring to this but trip. This trip and, is and the cost part, of, of, say, this trip for is example, part of those trips. 2000 Gardaí, bigger in scale to the Obama visit. Yeah, and yet uh, it seems like a kind of a, and if it, a if, sort of a cosy trip home in But if it was 1,500 guards, and God forgive me, if something happened, you can't put a cost on the security of the President of the United States. I just want to ask Kieran about that. Kieran, would you agree that, like, if he is coming over and he's coming over and no visit has been cancelled and... While I think protest, obviously, um, people can protest that, and, and they did in, in the case of, of you uh, and fellow um, people who are opposed to the visit, that if he is coming, that we do have to lay on the security, that it has to be a safe and secure visit. 
for someone like the president? Well, that's a matter for John Paul and his government who's invited him. But look at the idea that somehow Joe Biden is bringing loads of prosperity and jobs to Ireland. The reality is this country is a centre for American investment because we allow American companies not to pay adequate amounts of tax. That's true. Microsoft last week sent back $98 billion to America in profits, right? What about... Because, what, what, it's nothing to do with Mr Biden making speeches. They come here because they think there are a lot of a untaxed... They're not a charity. They, no, they want untaxed I mean, profits. If they have, pay if, a rate of profit if, in this country of about 2 or 3% of their actual profit. So this is about keeping that's the US sweet. And that's what attracts them here. Not because Joe Biden made a folksy speech If you're of a political disposition who don't want people at work in American corporations, then inevitably you're going to be against this visit. I, I, I there's 306... The sorry, the there's 300... The worker they pays. do. There's 300, they do not pay the same sorry, tax as well, worker pays. A worker pays at least 20%. If you, if you, American corporations if pay if, about 5% If you have direct tax. evidence of, of... I have direct evidence. We'll go to the revenue commissioner. Yeah, we have. We've already produced a book. There's 367,000 people. If I could just... If I could finish my point. Do not pay the same as average worker. Look, we know... We know your political ideology. Well, we You're just against America. Well, we know There's 367,000 Irish people, many of whom will be watching this tonight, who work in United States or companies. And who States pay far more tax on and who, than American corporations. And they, they, okay. they understand. And I represent them. And they will, them. They will watch it. They will appreciate it. And I represent them. And, OK, listen, and we're going to leave it there. Of course we represent people who work in American companies. Guys. Panel, staying we on just want to You're staying tax, on. You're all. staying on. You're not going anywhere. We are going to have much more on this and President Biden's visit coming up after the break. Do stay with us. Good evening, Claire. Well, I suppose I just saw a tweet there. Someone said, what a visit, what a day, what a man. And I think that pretty much sums it up. It was a very inspiring day, a momentous day for, for anyone who was in attendance, who lined the streets of Dundalk. Thousands of people turned out to see President Joe Biden. Now, as you mentioned there, the visit didn't get off to the best start. 
um, bad weather meant that President Biden had to travel up by motorcade as opposed to he was meant to get into uh, Marine One, fly up to the Cooley Kickham's GA pitch here, one of the local GAA clubs, but instead he had to travel up by road. Um, he met Tonished and Michal Martin at Carlingford Castle, as you can see there, King John's Castle. Um, that part of the day, I think, was slightly overshadowed by the weather because it was so dreary there. There were scenes of the President and Michal Martin to Tonished looking out on Carlingford Lock, um, a very bad day weather-wise. But as the, as the visit went on and the pre president went further up into Dundalk, that's when, you know, the sun came out and I suppose spirits lightened in as well. Thousands of people lined Clanbrassel Street where the president was scheduled to do his walkabout. And he was very generous with his time, shook a lot of hands, got a lot of selfies. There was people from LMFM and their family members who lined the streets at Dundalk and they got pictures with the president. As you're seeing there now that the president moved into McAteer's, the food house. Um, so I believe he bought a bottle of Coke and chipped some of the staff in there as well. But oh, was that what was poignantly, in the I suppose, <laughs> poignantly though, that, um, that delicatessen is owned by Jerome McAteer and Bobby Wayne. Now, they're a gay married couple. So I suppose that was showing the inclusivity of the of the event today as well. OK, um, I'm just the gathering that in the Windsor Bar then was, you know, fourth and fifth generation cousins. And we did hear from several before it was reported that several of those relatives, um, local councillors and the like, didn't actually know about their connection with Joe Biden or the relationship that was there until um, 2016, till it was brought to their attention. But notwithstanding all of that, do you think people in Louth do feel a closeness, do feel a particular affinity uh, with, with the US president, that it's something that's authentic? I think after today, definitely so. You know, he spoke very emotionally at the Windsor Bar. That was somewhat of an impromptu speech. It obviously was planned, but the media weren't made aware of it until just before it took place. Um, and, you know, he, he really touched on his, his roots in County Louth, how it was great to be back again and also promising to come back once more. So I think after today, there's definitely that connection has been made. You know, he praised the Irish for their spirit um, and also for their resilience. And I think that really shone true today. And that was probably the highlight of the visit, because up until then, it had been a bit impersonal. There wasn't really a, a chance for the public to get to meet him at Carlingford Castle and obviously only travelling down from Belfast today as well. So I think he's definitely, mm -hmm. you know, made a place in people from County Loud's hearts after, after his All visit right. today. OK, Mark, uh, thank you for that. Thank you for joining us from the LMFM uh, newsroom tonight and bringing us all the colour um, from that visit uh, to Louth today. Let's bring our panel back in. Patrick O'Donovan, Sarah Carey, Kieran Allen and Gina London. Yeah, I just uh, talked about authenticity and briefly on that, Gina, you know, we've had President's visit here before. Do you think it is a bit different with uh, Joe Biden? You know, the relatives, the fourth and fifth generation it was when he was vice president that all these relatives were discovered. Like, he's honing in on that in a big way. Um, should we be cynical about it at all? I'm, I was a former journalist, so I'm cynical as they come back in the day, but I don't feel it towards this person in particular. He ran for president for the first time in 1987. He is a man of endurance. He's continued to 
quote Irish poets. He did it when he visited last. He did it when he was inaugurated. He did it with an Irish, Northern Irish poet at the at the Ulster University speech today. And I'm sure that we'll be hearing more from Seamus Heaney and the like. And if I could just complete that thought with that this man, as you watch him go into that shop, for example, each of those people as they were standing there behind the delicatessen counter was not a group that he was just giving a wave to. He stood and looked at each of them as individuals. And that does show you the character of the man. Sure, he's a career politician and he's learned how to work the, work the line. But it is completely different than when you see a Donald Trump come in and breeze past mm. politicians and people to make okay. blustering and comments. I think, I think there is a difference in this man. Right. Yeah, and I think it's important to say it goes beyond sentimentality. John Downing had a good piece in the Irish Independent today <clears throat> recalling that Biden was one of the um, Irish-American politicians along with Daniel Moynihan and um, Ted Kennedy when John Hume mm. was starting his campaign for non-violent constitutional nationalism in America. A really, really important campaign to wrest um, the civil rights and the nationalist campaign away from Sinn Féin IRA away from the NORAID funding. Biden was a key figure back then. So it's not just, you know, malarkey mm -hmm. and playing up the Irish connections, even though they are. Um, mm -hmm. I think uh, Hunter's daughter is named Finnegan, mm -hmm. you know, after the Finnegan connection. But he has been working away delivering for um, Ireland for a very long time. Is there something to be said for that, Kieran? despite your criticisms of, you know, his role as US president and actually US, US foreign policy? that there is an authentic element to this visit, that he really does feel it, that, you know, there's an element that he was a little bit misty-eyed in Louth today. He'll probably be the same way um, when he hits Bellina on Friday. I'm sure he does feel things. I'm sure he's a human being like anybody else. But just to get back to the Good Friday Agreement, you see, this is, this is more of the mythology that the Americans brought peace to Northern Ireland. And obviously, they played a certain role in diplomacy. It couldn't but we, have been but done but without Clinton. Can I just, just make my point? But what we often forget is that tens of thousands of Catholics and Protestants went on peace marches before the Good Friday Agreement and put tremendous pressure and John Hume on, front both, and on both the IRA that as well. and the Loyalists. And therefore, peace wasn't just given to us from on high. From below, there was a wellspring of people who wanted okay. peace. And what we got with so Good do Friday... So uh, do you feel his Good, Good Friday agreement and, and the, the, the speech that he gave in the North, that there, was, that there was an inauthenticity to that, that it was just ticking a box? No, but you made a point yourself that it was a very quick trip because yeah. the Good Friday agreement has delivered a situation where okay. we've had institutionalised sectarianism, okay. where one party's DUP is able to put okay. a block on everything. And okay. therefore, there... in many ways, we've got a problem at the moment oh, right. in terms of institutions. Of and something to, be said, um, something to be said for that, that actually when we touch on this in terms of, you know, coming over to, to be lauded essentially to give a speech, that it is a really good, it's a very positive PR move as well um, for the White House and for the US president. Yeah, but it, it, as Sarah says, like, he has farm here. He has skin in the game. Like, he's not some Johnny-come-lately to the Irish peace process. I mean, this man represented the state of Delaware for, I don't know, nearly 40 years uh, and wore Irish credentials probably more than anybody that, whose name rolled off our tongues very easily in this country. Uh, and Joe Biden's didn't, but Joe Biden put in the hard graft um, and it's was only there any right. surprise at all, and I know we touched on it um, earlier, uh, but was there any surprise at all that he didn't spend a little longer, that there weren't, like, real talks taking place today well, in, his in speech, Belfast? In his speech, he was very keen to point out that he wasn't there to lay down terms or dictate or anything like that. He was there to encourage. And he was also making it very clear that, look, if you look For at... For half a day. 
For 1.5 million people, there are countries with populations of double, triple, okay. quadruple. I'm, I'm just talking about the significance, I guess, and it's the Good Friday Agreement and how much weight, I suppose, as a US president, he can he can gain from being kind well, of if part. You listen, of, if you listen of to what that, he says, if you listen to what he said story. around the economic benefits that have already accrued and those that will accrue to a generation who have never known violence, the, I mean, the, fill in the gaps. But but also the, the brevity of that was part of the choreography <clears throat> that because he's so heavily identified mm. with the nationalist and with the Irish um, side, um, if you will, that actually, if he went in too hard and too heavy, the unionists would actually take offence oh, right. and it would drive them further into the corner. Yeah. So that wasn't a Is snub, there, that was deliberate. And briefly, um, yeah. he is visiting Knock um, mm. as part as part of this trip. And there is a big religious statement in that, it, isn't there? There really is. Um, and some I, would say that this, this yeah. is this reflective, I suppose, of the Ireland of today. If you were to do a top 10 list of things to do in Ireland would, would, would not feature. No, but it is reflective of America and American politics. And America is an intensely religious society. I mean, it was founded by the hard wing of the hard wing of the Puritans, you know, in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. And that religiosity is still very much alive in American uh, politics. So it's not out of place in that discourse, mm. even though here politicians for a very long time have distanced themselves from the church. Yeah. So it, Gina might... Is, um, Gina, would it be yeah. playing to his base there yeah. in, in, he, he in goes, making he that goes, decision he, to visit? No. You know, his, his base, I mean, the Democratic base in general wouldn't necessarily be the evangelical mm -hmm. Protestants that are the roots of, of what's going on. I guess from the of a generation maybe. more so. But I think what it, it does speak to is, again, his own values as a practicing Catholic who goes to Mass regularly, that having the, his speech, his final speech in a cathedral does send a message to maybe not the Irish Catholics, but certainly think about the Catholic vote that mm -hmm. might be being swayed a little bit by the Republicans in terms of the... Uh, uh, exactly, it's the, okay. it's the new Latino vote. All right, OK. Um, and, of course, tomorrow we have um, the president who will be addressing the Joint Houses of the Oireachtas, but no Q&A or anything uh, there on that one. And I know something that's something that, um, you know, as an affiliate of people before profit, we would you won't be showing up. Yes, because even, <laughs> even when you had Ursula von Leiden speaking at all, you had the opportunity yeah. for people to speak back to power. I mean, it's a basic democratic thing. Okay. And the idea that you just have people addressing the assembled TD elected representatives without their ability to make their points to them. Well, I think I think there'll be no, cha be no change that, yeah. to, the, to that on the I itinerary the anyway, is in the title. It's an address to the giant sitting of the Houses of the Oireachtas. It isn't Ballymagash Urban District Council. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is the doll. It is the elected we'll representatives of the people um, My thanks to the panel. Lots more after the break. Uh, we'll be looking at why, something completely different, why used car prices have gone up nearly 80%. Do stay with us. Back, prices for second-hand cars are now 77% higher than they were at the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, according to data from Dundeal. So what does that mean for people looking for a deal? Is there one to be had? I'm joined by media consultant and former spokesperson for the AA, Connor Faulkner. Um, you're welcome to the programme, Connor. Um, we started talking about high prices and really limited demand um, off the back of the pandemic. And that's what we're seeing a continuation of here. Is that it? Is that why we're seeing this, I mean, massive jump in, yeah, well, in the Yeah, more price? than anything else, it's a pandemic factor. And um, the, the headline-grabbing report from Dundeal, or the headline-grabbing aspect of it, is that used car prices are up by nearly 80% since the start of the pandemic. So that's... In, over three years. Um, what has caused that? A couple of things. Firstly, the pandemic slowed down the production line of new cars, 
almost to a halt. And those are complicated supply lines that took quite a while to spin them back up. So that reduction in new cars automatically a couple of years later feeds into a reduction in used cars. Um, so we had, while new cars are being offered to consumers with a six-month delay, seven-month delay. That put a lot of consumers out to look for second-hand cars, and it just pushed up the price. So 80% is over three years. But if there's a bright side to it, Claire, the rate of increase has slowed down a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's only up about 5% since the last quarter. Um, but yeah, compare us to pre-pandemic. The date on it is March 2020, uh, and we're paying, on average, 80% more for a used car now than then. So that's quite a chunk of inflation. So is it a good time then to sell your used car, get a great price for it and, and buy new? Is that where the incentive is now that actually you'll get better value by buying new, even though there is that traditional thing that once you drive a car... Yeah. Uh, the forecourt, it, it, it instantly goes down in value. Uh, but is well, there something to be said for that? Well, you, you can certainly sell your car. Uh, great. So you can wind up with a lump of cash for it. Uh, should you buy a new car? Well, there's still delays on new cars. Mm. The production lines are still pretty slow and consumers are still a little bit frustrated. That is improving and new car sales are up. So new car sales are up about 9% this year, which is great. Um, and it's an indication that this used car problem may wash through in a couple of years. Um, but in the meantime, most people buy used. There's actually to over two used car sales per new car sale in a normal year. So most of us were buying or buying a second car. It's still car. cheaper. It's obviously that still is. cheaper than yeah. a new car. Uh, one good thing that came through in the report, and it's a sign of things to come, is that there are now more EVs available mm. as second-hand cars. Because, uh, again, they've been sold here. They've been mainstream selling as new cars for a number of years now. The Tesla Model 3 came out in 2019. So they're beginning to be available in the second-hand market and there are three times as many EVs available right. now on Dundee's analysis, Dundee's analysis compared to a couple of years ago. So how will uh, second-hand uh, electric cars change this market? Well, it, it, it's maturing. Uh, I mean, new electric cars are now nearly 10% of all car sales. If throw in the hybrids, is about a quarter of all new car sales and that number is ever increasing so as that happens and you know as the years go by quite rapidly there's more and more of those cars become part of the mainstream second-hand market so we already have three basic fuels out there petrol diesel and electric and um, there were only two fuels a couple mm -hmm. of years ago and we will see the slow and gradual decline of those fossil fuels there'll be a long tail on it We'll still be buying diesel. new diesels will still be a thing for many years to come and um, but gradually electric will deplace Will, will displace the, uh, the petrol. Is that the where the demand is in the second-hand EV market? If something, if somebody is looking to buy now, are they necessarily going for a diesel or petrol or are they just trying to go for what they can get their hands on and oh, get value for money with oh, it? Well, electric is brilliant for specific user types. Um, if you're driving across the country regularly, electric is can can be very awkward to use the public charging network. If you put around a city, if you rarely get out of Leinster or rarely get out of Munster, mm -hmm. electric is perfect. So horses for courses. Um, but certainly the growth in electric vehicles is not going to stop. And hence, we see them in the second-hand market now, as expensive as the other vehicles in the general shortage. Uh, but that is the shape of things And, to and briefly, has that impacted on, on the car rental situation? Yeah. It has. Because I think people who are booking now for holidays are seeing it again this summer, the prices are remaining high. Yeah, and that may get worse before it gets better. It was really bad in the middle of the summer last year. And again, this is a wonky hangover from the mm. pandemic. It's because in, in, in the car hire market particularly, it's often based around buying cars new and turning them around quickly. Production lines stopped, European shortage of hire cars, 
crazy, crazy prices. It looks a little better so far this year, uh, but I fear the summer in Ireland, and I think we could again be looking at stories that tourists being giving really crazy quotes for car hire. All right, okay. Or for those people who are travelling abroad and also Irish people who need to hire a car as well, something worth bearing in mind. Thank you, Connor. My Thank thanks to everyone tonight. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. You can also now find us on Instagram and on TikTok at Tonight VM TV. But from all the late team here, good night and do take care.